Welcome to Understanding South Carolina. Welcome. It's, to un- it's just understand. Just understand, yeah. Greg. Welcome. Oh, you go first. I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> Hey, I'm Emery Parker. And I'm Brooks Brunson. And we're back to explain the forces shaping the Palmetto State. This is Understand South Carolina. Today we're joined by reporters Thomas Novelli. Tom, say something. Tom, say something. Come on, Tom. Hello. And Gregory Yee. Hi. Gregory on paper, but it's Greg in person. Possibly. Possibly. So you might recognize the byline Gregory Yee, but he is very clear that Gregory in paper... Greg in person. I said that once, and Brooks has been giving me grief over that for the last three and a half years. Yeah, you know. But Tom is the same way. Uh, Thomas Novelli on paper, but Tom in person. So we'll be calling him Tom, but his byline says Thomas. I just use the byline <laughs> Thomas so my mom knows I'm using my birth name Aww, somewhere. Yeah. That's good. I love you, Mom. That's good. That's nice. There we go. Hope she's listening. So what are we talking about, Emery? Well, now I really hope that Tom's mom is listening because we're here (laughs) to talk today about CBD and hemp in South Carolina. So for sure, you've been seeing CBD popping up everywhere lately from fancy grocery stores to gas stations, you know, CBD oil, it's in food, it's in everything. Um, But what's happening now is SC farmers are starting to get in on the action themselves as the state has loosened up laws around growing hemp. But... This has been causing some confusion and concerns, and that's what Tom and Greg are here to talk to us about. So can you guys start off by giving us kind of a broad overview of what and why you've both been reporting on this topic? This really got off to a start with the arrest of a Dorchester County farmer named John Pendarvis. Uh, everyone knows him as Trent, but that's his middle name, but uh, John Pendarvis, who was arrested uh, earlier well, in the summer. Uh, after uh, the state authorities found out that he was growing some hemp in a field that wasn't uh, didn't match a GPS coordinates that he had submitted to the state. And he was a licensed uh, hemp grower through the SC Department of Agriculture. And so uh, authorities came in and— So it's not that yeah. hemp growing is illegal. It's no. that he was growing it on a field that he had not gotten approved. Is that correct? Correct, yeah, or that the GPS coordinates didn't match what he had submitted to the state on on half of his acreage. Gotcha. And it's pretty interesting, too, because this started – my interest in this just came from a bit of breaking news when, you know, we get the statement from Dorchester County that says the first ever hemp farmer has been arrested in South Carolina. I mean, it it makes state history. I mean, this is somebody who's been arrested where you have a new law that has – allowed for the licensed and legalized growing of hemp in the state of South Carolina. And then now I think this is an illustration of the growing pains that the industry is going through in the Palmetto state. So I think that uh, that's what made it so fascinating is that we saw a lot of media outlets in the state quickly report about uh, Pendarvis's arrest, um, but they didn't necessarily dig deeper to ask, you know, why, what is this emblematic of? And I think that's where Greg and I got interested in this, um, even just from the immediate breaking news reporting, there were so many questions about how a program that, you know, was highly anticipated by the South Carolina state legislature uh, could have gone off the rails or seen these kind of hiccups. So I think it might make sense to start off by kind of explaining to people kind of what hemp is, what CBD is, what we're actually talking about and how it differs from marijuana, right? Because that's probably what a lot of people are imagining. And that's kind of what makes hemp a controversial thing to begin with. 
So, right. so hemp and marijuana are part of the same species as cannabis sativa, but right. hemp is hemp is a specific strain right. that does not contain or it contains very low amounts of a molecule called THC. Correct. Yeah. So it's a different plant than marijuana. It's it, well, it's correct? it's essentially. I thought it was the same plant, it's, but different parts. It's oh, no. So it's it's essentially you can almost think about it as the same plant. There's like very slight differences. It looks the same, smells the same, grows pretty much the same from what I understand. So does it have that like like dank? Yes. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. It smells very dank. Yeah. Wow. Hella, okay. hella dank. Huh. I didn't know and, that. Well, before we get into all that stuff, so it, it you know it looks the smell looks and smells and feels the same, grows the same. All of that stuff. It's it's you know essentially the same plant, but as Emery said, it, hemp is essentially a different strain of that cannabis sativa plant. That you know most people they think cannabis, they think something you know marijuana, something containing THC or mm-hmm. high concentrations of THC. Right. right. So it's it's been it's a kind of a version that that does not contain a really high amount of of THC, and I think the right. the legal limit is something like. Is it 0.3 or 0.03%? Point 0.03. 0.3. 0.3, yes. 0.3%. So in addition to being like useful for some industrial uses, so so hemp-like right. fibers and stuff are, are useful for a lot of things. Oh, can, yeah. can you? Hemp, well, the hemp fiber has been used for a long time. Oh, yeah. Throughout like, history. Throughout like, human history. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like an, for, it's an old plant. I yeah. thought I've gotten hemp bracelets like when I was a kid. Yeah, hemp bracelets, mm-hmm. hemp yeah. shirts, that sort of thing. Parchment. Uh, you can process it into food. Uh, you know, people talk a lot about CBD oil, but there's just like hemp oil that you can consume as a food product, hemp seeds, like hemp based, like protein powders, all kinds of stuff. The plant contains pretty high concentrations of, of protein, which makes it useful for like plant based diets and things like that. And then uh, I've heard people kind of developing it into um, into like lumber substitutes, I think. Famously, if I remember correctly, it was used early on in American car manufacturing. I think Ford used it to make a pretty robust like bumper at one point in the you know in the early 1900s. Well, and today yeah. BMW is using BMW it. is using it to make um, part of their some, door some, panels. Yeah, to I make believe. some some plastic parts yeah. that are derived from hemp. Yeah. But anyway, I, I think the, the last thing to, to explain here is that um, so in addition to those those obvious industrial uses just the the raw uses of the plant material itself so what's what um, hemp does contain is this molecule called CBD which is present also in marijuana it doesn't get you high yeah it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. mostly that's it's complicated there's a whole bunch of yeah. molecules called cannabinoids that are in both of these plants right. that do stuff but it's mostly down to like THC is generally considered like the molecule that gets you high when you smoke marijuana. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And it, it works on, and I'm not a doctor or a scientist or anything, but it works on a system in the body called the endocannabinoid system. And you know, that there's all kinds of, of molecules and substances uh, produced by the human body that regulate things like, you know, like appetite and, and other kind of systems within the body. And, and there's, Emerging scientific research, but I don't think a, a firm consensus on you know what this how the system exactly works. I think for a long time I was reading that it was sort of either unfashionable or you know people that were doing research into this system uh, were looked upon as like oh you guys are just like hippies like yeah. in the lab wearing like tie dye shirts and getting stoned and like that's 
far from the truth, but there was a sort of stigma attached to it because it's a plant that essentially is the same. Well, there still is stigma yeah. attached to it. I mean, oh, that's, sure. That's why we're I mean, sure. here, I sure. think, <laughs> you know, like it's what yeah. we're here to talk about. I, I do think, I do think that's an important thing to, to just explain really quickly to, to um, people that might be interested from like a consumer point of view, like right. what, what is this actually a thing worth buying is really popular. Sure. So, like to what Greg is saying, though, it, we're in a period where the scientific evidence is really new. Um, right. I think that the strongest scientific evidence out there is that CBD oil is effective at treating certain kinds of uh, seizures in epilepsy. Right. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other. Obviously, that's like not what you're buying when you're buying it at the gas station. Sure. You're not trying to treat your epilepsy. Right. So mm-hmm. when people sell it on the internet or they sell it in like convenience stores or even now there's like stores here on on king street that specialize in it uh you know there's a whole bunch of claims about what it does whether it's in treating anxiety whether it's treating pain there is emerging science around these so there it's not like necessarily these claims are coming out of nowhere but i do think it's it's useful to remind people that um there's you know a buyer beware element here there's been since since this is so new it's really poorly regulated. It's really poorly understood. Um, there have been uh, cases where products that claim to contain CBD oil don't actually even contain it. So right. right. Last year in 2018, the the state's first crops of hemp grown since World War II started with a, a handful of farmers. So was it illegal here up until then? It, it, yeah, you you couldn't grow it. It was, and to take a step back too, so uh, we can take this back to March of 2018, actually before, kind of just before I was even here at the Post and Courier, I was a reporter in Kentucky, and I was reporting a lot on this, but uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell helped push this through at the federal level, and I think this is where you saw a lot of the states like South Carolina following afterwards. So he, as part of the farm bill, uh, removed a uh, hemp under a certain THC limit off of the Controlled Substances Act. So this is something right. that paved the way for a lot of industry um, for different states. And it's a huge economic uh, powerhouse to a lot of these states. I mean, in Kentucky, you saw coal declining. You saw tobacco industry declining. And this was seen as a new economic way for to get farmers back involved. Right. Same thing in South Carolina as well. I mean, sure. South Carolina, this was seen as a whole other way to open up another profit revenue stream for a lot of farmers. So on the national scale, you see it, uh, you know, taken off the federal, you know, controlled substances list. And then you see the state legislatures are now kind of handed this very large issue where they're like, how do we unpack this? How do we regulate this? How do we make this is, accessible? You know, I'm sure not the only one. I've wondered, like, why all of a sudden is CBD blowing up so much? Is right. that kind of the it, roots of it, that? Well, it, it's sort of CBD, like these supplements, I think, also exist at this kind of intersection in our culture today of, you know, a lot of people are looking toward natural type remedies, looking outside of the traditional pharmaceutical industry. You know, they see, um, you know, what's been done with opioids. Yeah, true. true. And and there's some claims that in states where they have legalized marijuana, that sort of thing, that people are able to use it to get off of opioids or that sort of thing. And and that's all, you know, let me be clear, that's all kind of anecdotal evidence that hasn't been, you know, peer-reviewed, studied, anything like that. But nevertheless, there are these claims out there that state that, you know, it's a benefit in in, in kind of getting off those hard drugs. So, um, yeah. so basically, though, so in 2019, hemp right. farms became legal in South Carolina. Well, 
2018, there was a pilot program. Okay. What happened in 2019 was that following um, some other additions to the federal farm bill that we basically opened the floodgates here in the state. And the, the state house uh, passed, I guess, removed rather some restrictions on acreage caps on the number of farmers. You still have to get a license through the Department of Agriculture. It's fairly – I don't want to say fairly tightly regulated, but there is oversight. You have to get a license. You have to uh, grow it like organically, I think. And they, the legislature, the lawmakers that I've spoken to here in South Carolina want to really bolster this industry and and develop things aside from kind of the CBD market, which is, to be clear, the biggest market right now. That's from the farmers that I've spoken with. They're all growing for CBD either extracts, smokable hemp, those sorts of things, because that's the biggest profit margin right now. And that's the way that they so can actually make money. So it's not an money. increase in hemp bracelets. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, right now, well, oh, and, 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 well, and right now, South Carolina, from what I have gathered, doesn't have that sort of industrial capacity to make hemp fiber, to make hemp plastic, make hemp lumber, make hemp-based foods. Uh, and that's something that I think that lawmakers and also I think the farmers themselves want to see expand here in South Carolina. One, because it grows industry here, provides jobs, all that good stuff, and it provides a bigger market for their crop. So I read, um, and this was actually by one of our reporters in Columbia, Jessica Holdman, that there's been a like 1,200% increase in um, hemp farms in 2019. I mean, I guess if it's legalized for the first time, that makes right. sense. There's, well— there's the, the pilot program started off with, um, if my memory serves me right, about 20 farmers. This year, there are 114 or 115 licensed hemp farmers. It's a, it's a pretty big increase there. Uh, and you know, the state wants to increase that more. Mm-hmm. The South Carolina Department of Agriculture um, was really excited to see that pilot program expand and try to get more people involved with it because – uh, you know, like the case with Pendarvis. I mean, Pendarvis was uh, has been a generational family farmer that has grown numerous crops for years in the state of South Carolina. Um, but you know, we think of a lot of geopolitical issues that are affecting uh, you know crops and stuff like that. You know, we talk about trade tariffs and stuff like that with other foreign countries. Right. Uh, this is a domestic product that is like like you said, skyrocketing in popularity as people look for organic alternatives to different medicines as um, it becomes more accessible and easy to buy. Just like Emery mentioned earlier, I mean, you can go to a gas station and right next to getting, you know, some Advil, you can also get a CBD stick like that to put it on your joints. Right. And and farmers want a slice of that pie and, and rightfully so. And the Department of Agriculture wants to empower uh, these farmers to do that, which is where then we get the hiccup, which kind of caused right. our reporting. And backing up a little bit, I went up to uh, Pendarvis's farm. Uh, which is outside of Harleyville. And, you know, he took us around, showed us, you know, some of the different things he grows, took us to the hemp field that authorities mowed down, and then also took us to the remaining 10 acres of hemp that he has grown. And uh, he he was mentioning to me, you know, traditionally his family grew, um, you know, tobacco for a long time. And sometime in the kind of mid to late 2000s, due to some changes in, in how that industry works, that didn't become that was not profitable anymore, and that really he said was his big cash crop tobacco, and so he started looking for alternatives and got really interested in hemp, tried to be part of that pilot program, but wasn't accepted and then so this year, when 
they lifted those restrictions, he jumped right on board. And he mentioned the, t- the Chinese trade tariffs to me. He said, the corn that I grow, the soy that I grow, make nothing. There's no, there's no way to make a living on that, period. Yeah. Uh, and he grows some fresh produce, tomatoes, that sort of thing, sells it to locals, but not enough to sustain the total of thousands of acres that he has on his farm. And so he looked to hemp literally as a new cash crop. And so he's recently arrested right. for you know growing in an area he wasn't supposed to be, and they they mowed all of the hemp down in that area. I mean that right, just seems. Correct. And so there's there's sort of conflicting stories here that are gonna kind of play out in this court case as it moves forward. So what the state says is that you know each farmer that gets a hemp license or hemp growing license signs a participation agreement. And what I was told by SLED, by uh, Chief Keel of SLED, is the that state law enforcement state division. law enforcement division is that uh, by signing that you you basically essentially give up your right to sort of appear before a judge and have sort of the the whole process of an asset forfeiture go forward, and instead they can just come in and like destroy the crop and that sort of thing. Um, now what? His attorney says his name's Brad Hutto, and he's also a legislator here in the state. What Hutto argues is that he still should have been given that sort of right. And there's some some kind of back and forth here that's not settled yet over whether Pendarvis intentionally violated the state statute or whether it was a simple mistake. If it was a simple mistake, the state law says that he should have been given an administrative remedy for this and you know a, a way to correct the action without – putting him in handcuffs, throwing him in jail, and mowing down his crops. But if it was willful, uh, if he decided to just by himself just ignore the law it, yeah. and mm-hmm. just do it on his own, then the law says, yeah, you con- the State Department of Agriculture contacts SLED, opens you know, a whole criminal investigation. Well, so like, what, what are those conflicting narratives then? So like, what's his version? Right. What's the, the state's his, version? And Darvis's version essentially is that he – some of the fields that he chose were later deemed to be unfit for growing hemp due to basically weather conditions. The soil and who, wasn't right, and who, that make, who makes that decision? Well, the, the individual farmer. Okay. Okay. So, okay. And, and okay. that's, and that's something that farmers all over the country do. I mean, you yeah, know, you can, you can kind of, you know, plan to grow any crop, you know, corn, beans, whatever in a field. And then you test the soil pH and it's not right. Or you find out, oh gosh, there's a ton of, you know. So Pendarvis himself had previously said that that area was not right for growing hemp. So he, what, what happened here is that he had to submit his plans, the the fields that he was going to grow hemp in, how he was going to do it, all that stuff to the state department of agriculture earlier this year, back in uh, April or so. And at that time, you know, he didn't quite know if it would be ready yet, uh, but he had to do it just to get the ball rolling and get that license in time to plant some kind of crops. And so he gets seeds when it came time to plant them, which he says he had to do very quickly because otherwise the plants would die. They're pretty sensitive at that stage from what he told me uh, that he was testing some of the soil and uh, and, and you know, doing all those tests he would normally do as a farmer, and, and ten acres of the twenty that he tested were fine. He plants there, but the remaining ten acres were not. And so he goes to some different fields, plants them there, and then tries to amend the GPS coordinates so that the state knows where he's growing them. 
the state comes out to test the THC content, which is part of that process to make sure it's under that 0.3% threshold. And they they discover, hey, these coordinates don't match. And now what I was told after Pendarvis's arrest and in reporting that story that I wrote is that some of his his plants tested above that 0.3 THC content limit. Now, I wasn't told by how much. Was it 0.4 or was it like 20% or something? And I wasn't told, you know, how many of the plants tested above that limit, but just that some of the plants tested above the limit. There's still a lot that, uh, due to the ongoing criminal investigation that SLED isn't able to disclose about that. I think this case is so fascinating with this because it's the perfect example of when society uh, as a whole, as we, you know, have something new and we try to regulate it and we try to legislate it, the kind of the the butting of heads that comes from this and the growing pains that come from this. So the thing that was fascinating about this story was when you report a basic crime story, you want to know a couple basic facts, one of which is what is the charge and what is the potential punishment for that charge? Right. This is where it got wildly frustrating from a reporting angle is because uh, this this is a new law that's been passed in this state and it's very detailed and very thorough. Um, and it more or less delegates a lot of the responsibilities for uh, growing hemp, licensing hemp, uh, and everything to the South Carolina Department of Agriculture. So when they announced that Pendarvis was arrested, the charge uh, was something along the lines of you know unlawful growing of hemp. When you right. look up the associ- – A misdemeanor. A, a misdemeanor, correct. And when you look up the South Carolina title of laws, it says there is no punishment. Well, more specifically, it says – any law that you know, any uh, if this law is broken, the punishment will be deemed by a judge, essentially, which is yeah. strange. I mean, I don't know of many crimes in yeah, this mean, country or in this state where it's just like we'll figure it out, <laughs> more or less. Is right. the law did not explicitly state how long but his it, prison time would but be. It's like his that. punishment already was. I mean, getting. I mean, them destroying his crop. I mean, that that, that seems like a punishment within itself. Mm-hmm. And then did right. you also he also. Was taken to jail. He was. He, he went to jail. Yeah, he, he had booked. to. It took three thousand dollars to, you know, to to get out of jail and to post his his bail. And so right. it's it's wildly inconvenient for him. And now he's got to go through having attorney fees and everything like that. And again, the the fascinating part about this was calling everyone that was involved with this case. So you know, once he was arrested, I was just trying to get a straight answer about what is the punishment, what is the exact law that he broke. The solicitor for that area could not provide a straight answer and, and said he had not seen anything like this in a very long time where the law there, – there's a law that has been broken, but there is no clear punishment for it. And the thing is, is this is where it comes down to is this a you know violation of a regulation within an agency? So you, know, you right. choose to participate as being a hemp farmer with the South Carolina Department of Agriculture. With that comes a series of laws just like any other clever organization that you're a part of. And, you know, there are punishments within that organization internally for, you know, violating those those regulations. The, the issue was is that Pendarvis had his hemp mowed down, was thrown in jail, paid to get out of jail, but also still has his license to grow hemp. He, he There Correct. was no – so if he violated the terms and conditions set by the South Carolina Department of Agriculture – there was no punishment from the South Carolina Department of Agriculture. But then keep in mind – Right. Well, the law I think part of that has to do with with them figuring out the jurisdictions that are laid out under state law. So 
the Department of Agriculture says we did exactly what we were supposed to do. You know, mm-hmm. we went out, we found out that the GPS coordinates were off, and then uh, presumably that some of the plants tested above 0.3%. So what they have to do under the law is notify the state law enforcement division, uh, which is exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether that whether there will be some kind of administrative action or something, you know, taking away his license, something like that uh, remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. But for now, he still holds a license. He harvested the other 10 acres of hemp that he had. And, oh, so they didn't, uh, they didn't mow down all of it. They didn't mow half, down half. just, okay. The half. parts that weren't included in the GPS yeah. coordinates, okay. so they claimed. yeah, Because half, half of his fields were exactly where he said they would be and everything was fine. And he actually showed them to us. He At the time that I went up to his farm, uh, he said he was about a, a, a week or so from harvesting that stuff. And, you know, that would proceed as he had planned. You know, I think that Tom made a really interesting point that this is just kind of shows when you have like a new law, like there's so many things you don't think about going into right. it, right? Mm-hmm. Just just like, you know, when we started this podcast, there were so many <laughs> things we didn't think about that we'd have to do going into it. No, no, just kidding. But I wanted to touch on, you know, I, I believe it was Tom did another story of kind of unintended consequences, which was around members of our military getting drug tested and sometimes THC showing up in their systems when they're actually using uh, CBD products. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to get into a little bit about, you know, is it legal or is it not legal to consume CBD? Absolutely. So I, so to unpack the the stuff with the military, you, you talk about, you know, CBD is now available everywhere from CVS Pharmacy or your gas corner gas station to right down you know, on King Street to uh, to a CBD store. And so it's become wildly popular. And, and like Emery mentioned at the, you know, the beginning of the podcast, the idea that it can help with pain, with anxiety, um, things of that nature – uh, these are all issues that face uh, the military all the time, especially veterans as they they get out of the military. Um, right. So it's it's a fascinating thing because, again, official bodies, uh, official government bodies are trying to figure out how on earth do we allow this to be a part of the mainstream culture. So in the military, pretty clear there is a zero tolerance for drugs um, and everything like that. As Embry mentioned too, c- CBD products can contain – amounts of THC. They can contain trace amounts of THC and that can uh, be in there. It's as the, you know, someone makes their product, whether it's a CBD stick, whether it's a CBD oil or something like that, that is part of the user experience is that you know, someone can include more or less THC. Um, and basically the U.S. military has basically drawn a hard line saying, no, we can't allow that because what if there is trace amounts of THC or there was – a enlisted service member who was using, um, you know, marijuana or something like that, and they could try to blame it on CBD, and it becomes that slippery slope. So mm-hmm. um, the thing that's difficult about that is that you see so many people leaving the United States military who have issues or, or come back from tours overseas that have issues with post-traumatic stress, who have issues with anxiety, joint pain, all things like this, mm-hmm. and. The VA system is not perfect by any means, and you find a lot of people that are going to, uh, you know, veterans administration clinics and not getting what they need. And this was seemed seems like a good organic uh, alternative. So uh, I, I spoke with uh, a man who was running an organization that was veterans for CBD, and it was based out of uh, he, he was actually stationed in Georgia as a former Air Force member. Um, and talking with him, he explained that it's really difficult to try to convince the U.S. military that they might have to 
heighten their drug screenings, for example, like make the drug screenings more specific where they can, you know, determine the difference between is this trace amounts of THC that can come from a CBD product or is someone consuming marijuana on a regular basis? Right, because it's like we we were mentioning earlier books about how like it's the same, it's just a different strain of the same plant. And so for a really long time, right, um, hemp has been illegal. And the whole reason why it's been illegal is precisely because you really can't tell the difference between it and marijuana. The way that, you know, you test to see if somebody is high or not or or whether they use marijuana or whether or not a substance is marijuana, for a really long time, the assumption could just be that you could test for the presence of THC because there shouldn't be like you shouldn't have any substance that has any amount of THC. Right. But now there's a legal substance out there that contains traces of THC and tests that determine the amount of THC versus just whether or not it exists at all. Those tests are a lot more complicated and expensive. They are. And that actually piggybacking off of that, that that's raised a lot of really uh, interesting issues for law enforcement here in South Carolina. Um, Earlier this year, SLED suspended its program where they would train police officers to um, to conduct these field tests. So if, uh, uh, say, a Charleston police officer pulls over someone in a car and they discover, you know, what's often noted in a police report as a bag of a green leafy substance. Leafy green substance. And, you know, often following that, you know, a substance tested presumptive for marijuana. Well, what that test is is a field test that the officer can do. It's pretty quick. It's easy. It's pretty cheap. What that test for, exactly like Emery said, is for the presence of THC in any concentration. The problem is if you put legal hemp under a microscope and look at it, it looks exactly like a plant that contains high amounts of THC. There's no visual difference. And doing that simple test will only say, you know, say there's 0.1% THC in that plant. It'll still test positive. So they stopped doing those field tests? So they, they basically axed all of those field tests. They no longer hmm. can do them. And so what happens now is that they have to send these things over to these, you know, plant samples over to SLED and they do, you know, a series of comp- complicated tests, you know, using mass spectrometers and other heavy duty scientific equipment to find the exact concentrations within the plant. Now, Chief Keel told me that, you know, in doing those tests, they now they're faced with uh, a kind of a backlog. He mentioned a, a number of cases that they have kind of piling up from agencies around the state that are trying to get these substances tested. And he did say, you know, out of the majority of the stuff they test, it, it usually comes back as actual marijuana, not yeah, just hemp. I mean, I, but I wouldn't expect too many people to have like <laughs> loose sleeves of hemp right. <laughs> in their car. Right? But, but that being said, that it also raises an interesting issue for businesses too. So there's a big market for smokable hemp. Yeah. So as you, you just said, um, yeah. Huh. So actually, that's actually a thing. That, that, a is ton, a thing. that is a thing. That is a 100% a thing. And they sell <laughs> it, you know, they sell it in pre-rolled joints and blunts. They sell it as what? like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. Um, it's legit. Like, just a couple of months ago, I, I, I went into a, uh, a store with uh, one of my friends and they sell like, CBD oil and stuff, but and and the shopkeeper was really excited to show this new smokable hemp, and it was it blew my mind because it looks and smells exactly like just what? pot, mm-hmm. yeah, and like oh, yeah. it would be impossible. Like if if you got pulled over carrying a baggie of this stuff, like 
I, I, yeah. I, it, I'm just like, how, how, and so, yeah. What? <laughs> and so, so what businesses are trying to do now that there is a huge market for this. Um, a lot of, you know, I've talked to shop owners and they say that, you know, there's some folks that come in that just say it's the only thing that helps or it's a thing that helps them the best. It works the quickest, you know, gets into the, the bloodstream and gets into the body. The, the, that's the quickest way to smoke it rather than using a cream or something like that, or even a, an oral tincture, the you know, mm-hmm. CBD oil type things. And those things, you know, some people say that works for them. Other people say, no, the smokable is the only thing that does the job for me. And so there, there is a pretty big market for this, but because of those issues that we were just talking about, you know, it's hard to tell the difference in addition to suspending it's, it's testing program training program for testing slide also reached out to the state attorney general's office for a legal opinion on is this stuff legal and what the ag's office came back with and this is a legal opinion it's not uh, necessarily like a precedent or anything but they said you know the leg one the legislature really needs to clarify this so what the state law says right now is that possession of unprocessed raw hemp is illegal unless you have a license to handle it and grow it yeah, because that was, that so, was kind of yeah. the question I wanted to get at is yeah. like and, you right. can buy it, but it's not legal to have it. Like, I so, don't... so it's a gray area right now. So what what some people, you know, what some law enforcement folks argue is that basically hemp buds are raw, unprocessed plant material. What a lot of other people argue is, no, it goes through a process. It's been tested and all that stuff. It's been dried. It's been packaged. There's a clear process that it's gone through. Therefore, it should be legal under state law. Now, I spoke with uh, State Representative Hyatt, who authored um, the bill that legalized hemp and hemp products here in, in South Carolina and kind of set up the farming program he said the intention of the legislature was no, he, they always intended for all these things to be legal. People should be able to possess this if they want to. And he said that once the legislative session starts back in January, they plan to clarify that point. But for now, um, what the AG's office is saying is, one, the legislature needs to clarify. Two, um, they kind of left it up to law enforcement to, to decide for themselves for now if – they want to go forward with seizing any smokable hemp. And so in response, because there wasn't well, kind of a clear answer. That's not great. I mean, you know, well, yeah. that, that lives it over all types of like it, stereotyping. It does. And, you it, know, it does. Yeah, and so what, no what a lot of stores have done is pull those products off their shelves, ship them out of state, or just allow their, you know, not order anymore and allow their reserves to, to be sold off. And so you're seeing less of that now. I think there's some stores that do still sell it because of that demand. Um, but it, it is a really interesting legal gray area right now. So, Tom, you know, you specifically looked into the impact of THC being present in somebody's body that's in the military. I mean, mm-hmm. have we seen any cases exactly where people have, like, lost benefits or mm-hmm. been discharged? So there's been plenty of service members who have been disqualified or, or you know, have taken dishonorable discharges as a result of failing their drug test. And that's what it comes down to is, I mean, regardless, you know, CBD has the trace amounts of THC in it. And now since it's just outright Department of Defense policy, you are not allowed to possess it. You're not allowed to use it. Um, You know, even the Air Force, for example, was allowing for some time the topical usage of CBD products such as, you know, shampoos, creams, stuff like that. And now that it's just a straight line, like you cannot have it, um, there's really no – Defense from a so, standpoint. Okay, so the, yeah, so mm-hmm. if you're in the military, you're, 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 
you are not allowed to consume CBD. Correct. Okay. And and so the except there's always exceptions to every rule. Uh, there is only, and we mentioned this earlier. There is only one FDA approved medication that right. derived from derived from CBD. CBD. It's used as Emory mentioned earlier uh, for seizures. So yeah. if there was a service member, there are exceptions where, like, if if a service member had seizures, was on this right. medication. Uh, there would be it's it's, it's been approved by the FDA. It's for a pretty narrow usage. It's called a pitalex, mm-hmm. and it's for a rare form of epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So it would be it would already be it's a very 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 slim chance. But that was the that would be the only opportunity where the you know whatever branch of service that military member was in, they'd be like, yeah, then you have a you're free to go. And and it's a massive scale. I mean, the Department of Defense drug tests sixty thousand urine samples every single month. It's a massive amount, and I mean, for a lot of pee. It's a that is if we (laughs) can quantify (laughs) the pee, it's substantial. But I think that again, so that just shows the scale of how seriously Department of Defense takes drug testing, for that matter. And I even so, I spoke with uh, you know the the head commander at Fort Jackson when I was on a tour a couple weeks ago, and I I broached this topic with him about CBD, and he just said, no, it's a it's a complete line in the sand. Like he's people know of family members of friends that have used CBD from everything from arthritis to being able to sleep at night. But the point is, and even though it doesn't contain THC, the intent of CBD uh, when used as one of these products is not to get the user high, but to, you know, provide relief for these ailments. Um, There's just a line in the sand that it's just not allowed. And and that does create a a tough gray area as well. I thought, I thought there was a, there was a good point in one of, one of your articles um, that you closed with where uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's this hard line in the sand drawn here about CBD, and in this case, a, a thing that's legal, but uh, there's n- no problem with just, like, going out and getting absolutely plastered, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So, <laughs> that that is, well, it, you know? we do have some laws. There, there are some laws about that, but, I mean, they're not, obviously, like there, there's no but, test for that or, or anything. Sure. I mean, you could obviously just do that on your own time. And mm-hmm. The other thing, too, that, you know, beyond these drug tests like in the military, I mean, I was also just thinking through like, you know, you have to, in order to work for the Post and Courier, for example, you mm-hmm. have to pass a drug test. Mm-hmm. What would happen if, you know, the new hire here failed, you know, failed because of consuming a... Consuming um, CBD right. or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it because... Right, right, right. And, and to your point too, Emery, about that as well, I think that that quote in particular was a really good point just about military culture too, yeah. is that, uh, you know, so many service members can come back feeling alienated or having right. post-traumatic stress. And many of them have uh, have turned to, you know, other substances like alcohol and, yeah. and such. And again, this is now on – CBD is now on that same legal playing field, right? This is like I could go down to the corner store and pick up a thing of CBD uh, oil or I could also pick up a six-pack of my favorite beer or something like right. that. And so it does bring – just like any type of, of new product is that you have to now weigh how is this going to be taken in the mainstream. Yeah. And you know, I think a lot of veterans feel really passionate about this, specifically um, the head of the veterans organization that, that provided that quote. He came back from several tours overseas, Operation Iraqi Freedom, et cetera, and he was on – he said more than a dozen medications. And then it wasn't until he started – Using marijuana legally um, and as, as a prescription, and also using CBD products that 
he was off of those medications after a while and he felt healthier and everything like that. There's all sorts of these testimonials and these claims right. being made. Um, but the thing is, and you bring up a great point, Brooks, is that, you know, how not just how our public, you know, bodies such as the U.S. government and the Department of Defense going to deal with this. Um, but how are private employers going to deal with this now? And how can you prove? I mean, I don't really know how THC exits one's body, but like, let's say, I mean, I don't know if you, over time, like if, you know, you were to smoke right. a joint a week ago, you probably would have trace amounts still in your body. Would that be correct? Right. So it, how would you, it depends. It, it, but, I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like, how would you, you know, you could lie too if you did, you know what I mean? Mm, you could say, oh, sure. it was just. I don't know. You know, that, you that's, that? that's an interesting question. I don't think I've actually seen a, a case um, where like a private drug test is, has come positive for THC because of CBD uses. It must happen. My guess would be, though, so obviously in this case we're talking about the incredible bureaucracy of the federal government mm -hmm. and the Army. Uh, in the case of, like, the Post and Courier, um, like, we do a drug test, but of course, like, it's our call, like, what to do with the results True. of it. True, yeah. And I, I know that there is, like, this situation where there are, like, certain foods that you can eat that can cause false positives. I mean, I don't and know. Poppy I, I would, seeds? Yeah, like poppy seeds. Poppy yeah. seeds. Yeah, so I would, I would, I don't know. I, I don't know what we would specifically do, but I, 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 I just think like that would probably be the, the explanation that you'd be like, oh, it must be that CBD <laughs> cream I'm, I'm <laughs> using or those, the CBD oil. You got, I took. A, you got a new thing to blame. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a complicated issue, especially for, I think we're, we've, we've seen this topic affect pretty much every socioeconomic class in some way where we're talking about hemp. We've got everything from farmers, politicians, service members, business owners, business consumers, right. everything like that, law enforcement even. Uh, I think you bring up a really great portion with that is just it goes everything from also as a consumer, you also have to be, like you mentioned too, Emory, you have to be beware of that too. You know, If you know that there's a chance you can get routinely drug screened, you want to make sure the CBD product you're buying Right. Doesn't have, you know, right. an overwhelming amount of THC. Right. Well, and, and more to that too. I mean, there's, because it's, it's sort of a, not the most tightly regulated industry. I mean, there's, you know, like I've already said before, there's products that contain very little or just no CBD at all. They're being marketed. It's sort of a kind of a snake oil salesman type thing, you know, and I suspect that's partly why too, that some folks are turning to, uh, to like whole, plant smokable hemp because it's you know at least it's the whole planet hasn't been mm -hmm. messed with in any way well, yeah, i mean you think about like the, the ongoing uh, right the, the situation involving um like vape lung you right. know so so like that's right. that's one of the things you can like go now to a random sketchy gas station sure. and get some random sketchy right vape right. juice that contains cbd oil and you have no idea how it was made yeah. or what's in what's, it what's in it like is it contaminated does it contain right. something that's gonna like rot my lungs yeah exactly instantly you know like yeah because that's yeah. specifically when we're talking with the issue with the vape lung thing i mean that's specifically been when the product that people are smoking have contained thc well not not in, not in all cases but um but that has been a trend that's yeah. that's been a that's been a trend there's there's not a lot of, of data on that right now so i'm sorry I don't we can go down the rabbit hole yeah. sorry yeah, no, <laughs> just sure. something that i thought of too um i think one other thing that we kind of wanted to touch on was, so this is new, obviously, which is right. why we've had all these kind of crazy, unexpected consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, is this a first step to legalization or partial or medical so marijuana think, or something? I don't know. Like, I is mean, that I th ever going to happen here? I think that's what a lot of people think. So it, it was interesting. I've and been, it would solve I've been some speaking, of these problems. 
Yeah. Well, and uh, it is a very interesting issue. I think that law enforcement around the country are, you know, you know, they see they see the writing on the wall, so to speak. They see more and more states passing full blown legalization of actual THC. It's still illegal at the federal level. Technically, it's illegal in all fifty states and you know, and U.S. territories and so on because it remains a Schedule One drug federally. But in states like Colorado, California. Washington state, you know, all, all those states that have legalized Michigan, um, it exists in this sort of quasi legal, again, gray area. Uh, but back to the point, I guess it, it is interesting. I've been, you know, off and on talking to police officers to, you know, the different police chiefs in the area. And, and some of them really have mentioned, you know, I, they, they know sooner rather than later that probably across the country, this will be legal. And that does present a whole kind of slew of of kind of logistical issues for them you know how do they test if somebody's high when they're driving reliably right now there's you know there's some ways to do it but there's not a chemical test like a you know with like a breathalyzer or an alcohol breath test that can determine okay you're at this percentage in your bloodstream you can make people you know. pee everywhere <laughs> i mean it doesn't doesn't work that fast you have to yeah. like literally you'd have to do like a blood test yeah. Oh, and, well, oh and like, I guess it wouldn't be in your pee that fast. Yeah, it's not in your pee that fast, yeah. No. Gotcha. And, you know, how do they determine what concentration means what? The, 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 there just isn't a system in mm-hmm. place to do that. Well, it's, and the same thing, too. Like, the pee test, yeah. again, it, it's designed not to test how much you smoke. It's it's oh, designed true. to test See, whether either, it exists at all. Yeah. yeah. And to Greg's point, too, I think that seeing hemp become more mainstream is a cultural earmark in some way that, that that it is changing that I think that all around the culture towards marijuana and the ad, public opinions and attitudes towards legalizing marijuana uh, as well as you know hemp products and stuff like that is shifting I think it's now become very commonplace like now that we can find you know CBD products in our local gas stations and sure. in our local convenience stores and again I think it's also emblematic too is to look at the latest states that have uh, gone through this hemp process. So Kentucky, obviously with Mitch McConnell kind of – Mitch McConnell made this a national issue but said I'm doing this for Kentucky to try to help the Kentucky farmer out and everything like that. Uh, you now see it happening in South Carolina. States that are uh, overwhelmingly have you know a conservative base and ones that may have had harder lines towards uh, you know narcotics and drug laws and such like that, you're seeing the culture on that you know ease up. Uh, I think when you when Mitch McConnell goes on to – the Senate floor and can openly talk about hemp, I think you're starting to see the cultural shift becoming this yeah. is something that's more commonplace. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think definitely before any of our times, but yeah, I think that used to be, like hemp used to be associated very much with like hippie culture, you exactly. know? Sure. And so to see, yeah, a conservative senator mm-hmm. go up and, and be on on the side of hemp, that's right. pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, and it remains to be seen the question of full-blown legalization of something containing THC. I mean, that's who knows. That yeah, could, I mean, it does, it does make me wonder though. Obviously we, we've talked about the fact that hemp does have legitimate uses. There are legitimate reasons why a farmer would grow it and, right. and it would make them money. It does make me wonder how many, if a day comes that it becomes legal to grow and sell marijuana in South Carolina, how many hemp farmers are going to switch? Right. And then I, I, also, I also had this thought too, when Greg, you were talking about how um, Ben Darvis, he kind of switched to hemp because tobacco right. was not profitable. And we're going to keep seeing, I, I feel like, 
the profit in tobacco decline. I mean, right. you see a lot more tobacco restrictions in different right. states. And so I, you know, wonder too, if this is, you know, going to be kind of more the future to kind of make up for some of the economic losses for sure. less tobacco right. consumption. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess to, to just wrap this up though, um, realistically, like what do, what do we think the, the future of this uh, in South Carolina is? So it sounds like we're going to get some clarification next year. Is, is there, is it pretty bipartisan? Or is, yeah, is it, yeah. I think I think this this effort related to hemp here in South Carolina has has pretty broad support. I think most people think you know, they're excited about it. They're excited about the prospect of of you know tapping as Tom said, getting a slice of this pie, this big emerging industry that has the potential to make billions of dollars, billions and billions of dollars for the state. You know, through taxes for the farmers. You know. If new industry actually does get set up and we can start making hemp plastic, hemp fiber, you know, hemp-based foods, all kinds of things. I mean, there's a ton of opportunity here. Um, it just remains to be seen how exactly we're going to leverage that. And if there's going to be that sort of private investment into building up these industries or not. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Greg. But also it's empowering a lot of rural communities and and oh, farmers that, you know, they – Otherwise, might have felt like the, the greater political landscape is cha- changing the way that they can sell their crops, and now they have sure. something that's helping someone that could be their neighbor right down the street sure. that's dealing with pain, sure. pain or and anxiety. They, and it's not the subject of a you know that they're not selling hemp to China. Exactly, it's, it's not going to be the subject of a tariff. Like they, they don't. They just sidestep all that. Mm-hmm. Well, Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. This is really, really interesting conversation. Yeah. Glad to do it. I'm like going to be thinking about this like all night. Like, you know, <laughs> that theme of there's just so many things you don't kind of expect or anticipate going into legaliz- legalizing something. Sure. Um, the unintended consequences of legalization. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Greg and Tom. And uh, people can follow your reporting on postandcareer.com. Definitely check it out they both have like a byline a day i would say yeah. at least so these are two of our reporters that have like the most bylines of like the right more probably than like anyone in our newsroom mm-hmm. so maybe uh, we try yeah, yeah they, they yeah. write a lot so you, bl- like, you can't see yeah. me but i'm blushing <laughs> <laughs> and they got good stuff so yeah. uh, greg is a crime reporter primarily though he dabbles in other things as well yeah um and tom he is a growth North area and everything reporter. Military, <laughs> Berkeley County, crime, jack of all trades, master of something. Somewhere. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, they're both kind of just like, they're the guys, you know. <laughs> we're the guys. <laughs> the boys. Yeah, the boys. The boys. <laughs> the boys. <laughs> all right. Well, thank, thanks so much for, for coming. And thank Absolutely. you, everybody, for listening. And uh, Such a pleasure. We will have another episode for you here in two weeks. All right, and that's all. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier in Charleston. Our theme song is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music by searching for Billy, that's with an I-E, Fountain, on Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. You can get in touch with us by emailing understandsc at postandcourier.com, or, of course, you can tweet at us with any questions or comments. And if you're a fan of the show, please take a second to like us and leave a rating on the Apple Podcast Store. See y'all later.